0: hey everyone and welcome to the forbidden fridays podcast my name is holly and i am your host Each Friday I'm joined by a special guest to discuss taboo topics that shouldn't necessarily be taboo. This is a safe space to talk about awkward and uncomfortable things but the more we talk about them the easier our lives will be. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on and go follow our page over on Instagram at at Podcasts. Lots of love angels and stay safe. So hi everyone, today I'm joined with a very special guest, um, so she runs an Instagram page called Queens of Eve, and describes herself in her bio as the vagina fairy godmother, heart healer and feminist, which is what we love to hear. Um, so
1: uh, hi, your name's Gillian isn't it? Hello, yes Gillian, yes. yeah, I never really say that my page, I think I need to put it in my bio. <laughs> <laughs> so hello Gillian, would you like hello. to introduce yourself, describe what you do a bit? Yeah sure, so my name is Gillian, Um, I'm 27 and I started my page just basically off the back of gynae problems and I found an answer to one of many um, and decided to share it to try and help someone else find it rather than sitting on Google for ages Mm -hmm. and then it just kind of grew from there to be honest. I've met loads of other women who are suffering with either something similar to me or something maybe more serious like endometriosis or cervical cancer and it's just grown and networked and yeah just keep researching different women's health topics and try my best to advocate for the important things that schools and I guess typical education have missed um yeah yeah that's basically me
0: That's great. We, I actually filmed a podcast for the previous season, season two, which was all about like sex education. And we did kind of touch upon the fact that nothing's really talked about regarding yeah, anything like that, and it's obviously very important when you're growing up, especially yeah. as you get like towards a teenager when you're like a bit more sexually active and you really need to know how to take care of yourself. And obviously, it's very important for anyone who does have a vagina, or even people who don't have vaginas, to know what's right. Yeah. I guess. And yeah, what's definitely. Um, so I've been wanting to do a podcast about vaginas for ages. I have a lot of questions myself, and I know <laughs> a lot of my friends, a lot of my followers do. But I just didn't have a guest really that was like educated enough to mm-hmm. talk about it and then I stumbled across your Instagram page and I was like perfect um <laughs> the vagina girl yeah the <laughs> vagina girl <laughs> and um, you'd obviously post a lot about important topics so I thought great I'll message her and hopefully she'll go on the podcast and you
1: have okay. so thank you yeah. for asking me
0: First, I'd like to just ask you why you started the page, like what inspired you to start it? Have you grown like a community? What do you love about doing it? Tell us a bit more about it.
1: Yeah, um, so as I said, I've had like a few kind of gynae issues, um, probably since I was 16, to be honest. So about 11 years now. Um, They didn't really start off being that serious, but then probably since 2014, 15, I started getting one issue, which I am still living with today, which is the painful sex and the skin is irritated and it tears um, and I bleed. And the other issue was a cervical ectropion, which at the time I didn't know what that was. I didn't even know I had it. Um, but basically I, I noticed a huge change in my vaginal discharge and it wasn't normal. Um, they put me through all the routine checks of the standard infections mm-hmm. everything was clear STIs were all clear um even a smear test was clear and then I think it was actually when I was getting my smear test done she spotted the cervical which I can talk about in detail a bit later on but it basically took four years for that to be diagnosed and I would literally spend my life on google and not get anywhere um all these articles would just say oh it's probably thrush it's probably like bacterial vaginosis and it was just so frustrating to keep seeing the same things mm-hmm. when you knew it wasn't either of those things yeah. um yeah so it definitely got me down hugely didn't want to be living like that and when i did eventually find the answer i just kind of thought i didn't see anything online about this at all Yeah. so i just decided to make an instagram and share it and then I kind of thought there's so much like avenue here to talk about all sorts of things like periods contraception standard vagina infections yeah. sexual health like literally the topic around vaginas is so varied yeah. um and i genuinely hand on heart did not think anything would happen i thought who is going to be interested in my (laughs) vagina and the chronicles (laughs) of my vagina and vaginas in general um but yeah then it kind of just started to find people who were doing similar things um accounts kind of touching similar subjects kind of like bigger accounts um like quite well-known gynaecologists and magazines and blogs and then yeah just kind of networked and i'm part of that now and yeah my community is nearly at, I think 5,000 now on Instagram um yeah and it's been strange because it is it is quite a niche subject but I think yeah. it shows actually there probably is a big gap um talking about that Definitely. so yeah that's kind of it and then I guess just other people have just continued to inspire me to keep going yeah. um and the messages I get back to actually a lot of a lot of messages I think it's quite clear that women are very worried about their intimate health mm-hmm. Um, and then hearing some really positive feedback and saying that I've helped them in some way has like inspired me to keep going with it so
0: yeah yeah,
1: that's I think it's basically. definitely
0: inspiring like when I came across your page I thought it was so unique like I didn't haven't seen anything like that on Instagram where it's just so like real and twitches upon issues that a kind of taboo and that people don't want to talk about i follow a page yeah. called i think it's we Un girls i think yeah. i'm not sure if you yeah, follow yeah. it yeah, yeah, and yeah it kind of reminded me of that page as well because they're very like just the yeah it's very out there like no holding back and that's i guess what we need a lot more especially within social media Um, everything's yeah. so centered yeah. nowadays and it's just really important to show the real life side of it, which is what you're doing, yeah. which is great.
1: Yeah, I actually did a talk with um we are I never know if it's UN or on girls, but I did yeah, a, a presentation with her. Um kind of, I think that was like last month maybe or like a oh, couple of cool. months ago. Yeah. So been chatting to her. But I think she's focused more around sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I do touch upon, but mine's kind of more health, I suppose. Yeah, health. Cool, yeah. cool. Um
0: so what also what was your condition that you said you'd mention I haven't actually heard
1: of that before yeah um so it can be called two different things mm. maybe more than two but I've seen it um referred to as a cervical ectropion or cervical mm. erosion okay um and it's not anything like life-threatening or no. hazardous as such it's more like a nuisance and an unpleasant thing to live with. So, basically, what happens is the cells that line in the inside of your cervix—they're more of like a soft, delicate cell—and mm-hmm. um, like mucus-producing. And it's where they move from the inside and they go and sit on the outside of your cervix, where the cells is, mo- is supposed to be a bit tougher and harder there. Um, and what it looks like—I mean, you can't see it because it's hard to see your own cervix, but yeah to someone examining you, your cervix is basically meant to look um, smooth and pink and mm-hmm. this will appear as like a red patch. Yeah. And what it was doing for me was it made my vaginal discharge so heavy and watery mm-hmm. to the point where, I mean, I don't care about TMI and things like that. So oh, no, no. This might no I don't think any of my podcast. listeners on this podcast. <laughs> okay, great. Because <laughs> I was going to say, this is maybe sounds quite gross but the discharge basically became so watery and um it literally felt like I don't know if you know that sensation when you feel like you've started your period because you feel like that sudden like rush right and it it felt like that all of the time but it would be just vaginal discharge and it was so much of it that it would literally look like I'd wet my pants um yeah and it would come through like my jeans even like didn't didn't matter how many layers I had on it would still yeah through um, and it was so bad I was actually having to wear like a night pad and changing it like four times a day it was that excessive Um, and then it kind of irritated my skin because it was constantly like damp and it was pressed against the sanitary towel all of the time Um, didn't want anyone to touch me for obvious reasons Mm -hmm. I just felt disgusting myself yeah Um, but for other people I don't really know because I wasn't having sex at this time, but it can cause bleeding during sex and after right. sex, because when the penetration happens, it hits mm-hmm. these soft cells and it can make them bleed. Right. Um, so yeah, it can. That's kind of the symptoms of it is bleeding with sex or yeah. the changes to the discharge, and yeah, they. It's well, sorry, it's caused by the contraceptive pill. Um okay basically it's like a hormonal imbalance is what encourages that cell movement to happen mm-hmm. so it might not just be the pill it could be hormonal contraception in general but never was this ever mentioned to me um no. I don't think it says it in the pill packet leaflet thing either I don't think i um, that no I think I went back to have a look at it because that's what made me stop the pill I was yeah. taking the pill up until that point um And then, yeah, since I got it removed, I've stopped contraception and it hasn't come back. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's not, I guess, good that there's not really much out there about it. Yeah, I've never heard about it before. And I have as well done an episode about
0: contraception um, on the last season where we talked about how like our experiences with it I was um, with one of my friends who's been on quite a few different contraceptives I've only yeah. ever really been on the pill and we were kind of talking about how so many side effects just aren't really spoken about they aren't really mentioned yeah. there's the typical like blood clot blood clots mm-hmm. and has your family had anything blah blah blah, and all yeah. that but there wasn't like mental health issues like increasing anxiety like none of that was mentioned to me when I first went on the pill and as a young girl um as a young person it's really important that your mental health is looked after and you know everything that you're about to put your little tiny body through yeah definitely and it's kind of damaging that none of that was mentioned and I, I I've never even heard about that before until you mentioned it so I'd also love to talk about femme fresh products so I I have heard I've read a few blogs before that said they're no goes they're not good mm-hmm. and then I saw an influencer promoting them and she did a whole video which was obviously sponsored by friend fresh yeah, saying paid. How, <laughs> yeah paid saying how they matched your ph and mm-hmm. despite the rumors they're really good for you and I'm not really one to follow like influencers in general but obviously it was a bit of a I didn't really know what was right and wrong sort of thing so I did buy yeah a couple of them fresh products i bought the wipes and the i think it's like the shower gel sort of thing which you mm-hmm. use in the shower um i bought those two and i've used them very briefly because i was very careful to not use them every day just yeah. in case anything was wrong with them but i used them every now and again like when it was a bit you know a bit sweaty down there a bit wasn't mm-hmm. feeling great down there um just to see if it would do anything and i never really noticed too much change um, yeah, I didn't really notice anything I, I did keep my eye on it a bit but ever since I saw your post on Instagram saying don't use them it's just been sat there and it, I haven't twitched it since so can you yeah. explain more why we shouldn't use products like Femfresh and things like that
1: yeah um there's kind of a few different reasons so I mean I have seen I don't know how many health professionals in terms of gynaecologists dermatologists mm-hmm. sexual health clinics um and gps and i have not had a single one recommend these products and they've actually advised me to not use them mm-hmm. and if i don't know if you've seen there was a huge uproar over in america with some quite well-known guy um, dr jen gunter who wrote the vagina bible Um, mm-hmm. she has done so many posts on the feminine hygiene industry um basically just raising awareness that it's just all marketing claims so For example, saying on the label it's been gynecology tested, that means nothing medically. That is literally just a marketing term. Um, Tested as well also doesn't necessarily mean they approved it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, it's literally just something to make you fall for buying their product. Um, I I think the biggest issue is the fact that they prey on, women's insecurities so just like how an anti-wrinkle cream would work you are told wrinkles are a problem and that aging is a problem and you're marketed with a product to spend your money on to solve this problem which doesn't really exist yeah it's Um, not actually a problem yeah Yeah. and it's the same thing I think Vagisil the brand are way worse with marketing than Femfresh are they're more of a American brand um Mm. who do similar like intimate washes wipes aerosols all of that but because you're basically telling women that they have a problem down there and that they smell down there and that you need to do something to sort it out Mm -hmm. and you don't smell down there and in fact the irony of the whole thing is your ph balance in your vagina is naturally acidic um, and a lot of the ingredients in products like Femme fresh are alkaline. Yes. So when they say pH balancing, I mean, I don't know how you you balance an acid with alkaline ingredients like that. It just isn't right. And yes. I think they do use like a chemical formula where they basically mix so many different ingredients together that it does make the alkalines balanced. But yes. the ingredients are so harsh. Um they are they should not be used. I mean, sodium law sulfate is a sulfate, parabens, all of this kind of stuff. Um, and in fact, if you look at the ingredients in Femme fresh it does say perfume, apart from in the 0% one, um, which still has SLS in it, and glycerin, which can provoke thrush. So you're basically telling women that they smell, selling them mm-hmm. a product that's actually going to make them smell worse, right? The more you mess around with the pH environment, the worse Mm -hmm. you're going to smell. Yeah. Um, And every single gynae I've seen, and if you look on the website for the Royal College of Mm Gynaecology, they recommend to wash your vulva with water only, and you can use a flannel or a washcloth if you want. Yeah. Um, And if you do feel like you need something a little bit extra, then you can use kind of emollient creams. Right. um, like an Aquarius cream or something to make it feel like you're using a product but Femfresh whatever Seal woo woo as well a new one that's come out it's just no just (laughs) absolutely not yeah Yeah. I actually watched I've
0: banged on about this on my Instagram a lot and on recent podcasts I'm not sure if you've seen it but it's a new tv series on Netflix and it's called The Bold Type it's kind of addresses a lot of issues that women face. If you haven't watched it, I'd completely recommend it. And it's about three girls um, who live in New York and one of them, and they work at a magazine and one of them was planning on having some sexy time with her boyfriend and they were all at a spa and she said, you know what? I'm gonna get a vagina facial, which they did at the spa. So she ended up getting one of these and obviously this is like fictitious but I feel like it really relates to this point. She actually got a vagina facial and then it started itching loads um obviously it's not great to put anything unnatural down there yeah. and then she went to a sex shop and bought some like vaginal health um in quotation marks sort of cream and bits and bobs and then it became like um like in because she went to the doctors about the vagina facial and they said you might have a lot of an odour so she got some like deodorant and things from the sex shop and then it just made it completely worse she had to go to this really important interview and actually couldn't sit down because it was that bad and um at the interview it was about a woman who was promoting these vaginal products and she just said like at the end of it she told her story about what happened and just said my vagina is supposed to smell oh my vagina is just supposed to be like that so like why should we change it because that's so normal and yeah like it's just it's supposed to smell like that it's supposed to look like that it's supposed to like do what it's doing so why do we need to change that just because we're told that smell is bad or this is bad and I thought that was that was quite like a relevant point and that was quite interesting that that happened
1: yeah yeah definitely I mean I think as well it's like if you're using something that's scented say I mean some of the scents I've seen is like vanilla and like clementine or something but it's kind of like if you use a body wash on the rest of your body I don't feel like you smell off that scent for the entire day anyway um and like with your armpits say I know it's not a comparable body part at all but you use a shower gel and then as soon as you get out you put on deodorant so you're masking the job of the shower gel anyway like the yeah. shower gel hasn't done really much for you um and as you said like yeah there is a normal natural scent that a vagina has because it's naturally acidic there's going to be a bit of like a I guess almost tangy mm. acid sort of smell it's quite hard to describe yeah. but yeah it's not supposed to smell like rose petals and whatever yeah. else they target um obviously men don't have products that are targeted for their penises to smell like fresh pine or whatever (laughs) yeah it's not so it's literally just yeah like making women feel insecure when they have enough to be coping with as it is um Uh. and as well it's really important to talk about don't ever put anything internal um Mm -hmm because you'll just end up flushing out all of the good bacteria yeah. all the bad bacteria you need both to have the balance yeah um, and yeah like the more you overwash like that's how you get things like bacterial vaginosis and then that's what then makes you smell fishy so yeah really if someone says they have like a really vigorous like soapy cleaning routine they okay. probably are going to smell bad Yes, yeah um which they think they're doing the opposite but it's just not the case so the best thing is literally leave it alone let it breathe yeah um, <laughs> less is more approach and just yeah don't put anything yeah. on that it doesn't need to be there
0: I'd also really like to talk about discharge you've touched upon this a little bit I feel I didn't know what discharge was until I was kind of talking to my friends about it and yeah I used to get really embarrassed to put my underwear in the wash when I was a bit younger because I just thought like what's this on my underwear yeah. um I didn't know what it was I used to get so embarrassed to put it in the wash because my parents would see it um and then like obviously talking to my friends about it I obviously knew that they got discharged as well but it was still yeah. kind of like a taboo topic among friends as well and it seems like a dirty thing but I mean as far as I'm aware, it's your vagina cleaning itself. Mm-hmm. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it couldn't be far from dirty
1: if that's right. what it's doing. Yeah, no, it's not dirty. Yeah, it's definitely like it kind of acts in a similar way to like your nasal passages as well. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, bogies are different because they are dirty. Yeah. but <laughs> it's like you know where your womb is. Everything is trying to protect it. Like your cervix acts as a barrier. Um, and then yeah like the the mucus producing cells that line inside your vagina like it's also Mm -hmm. kind of secreting this to try and protect it and it's naturally flushing out like I guess bacteria dead skin cells everything Mm -hmm. just keeping you in check Um, but it's also a really good indicator for your health especially from like a fertility perspective Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't know this myself until recently because I'd always been on contraception but Mm -hmm. since having and natural cycle, I've really noticed the changes in the discharge throughout the month. Um, and what that indicates because after your period finishes and you're leading up to ovulation, your discharge is kind of like clear, um, I guess almost like an egg white kind of consistency and look yeah. and more of it. And this is like the perfect environment for sperm to be able to thrive and survive to actually reach your egg. Um, and then ovulation occurs and then after when it thinks that your kind of prime time for conception is passed um eggs being released um your discharge then starts to thicken up and it becomes Mm -hmm. more obvious in color like there's I guess it looks more just like thick creamier um maybe white in in color and maybe a bit more lumpy not massively lumpy but it just changes and again this is kind of nature's way of being a barrier now for that sperm and stopping it from being able to get to you um and that's when your progesterone like levels rise and your body kind of goes into rest mode because it's thinking you might have just conceived Mm um and it's important to like know that and recognize like your body is healthy and it's acting naturally um and then yeah it's also important to kind of just always keep an eye on it because if something does change, you need to be aware. Like if a, if a smell changes, if a color mm-hmm. changes, if the, I guess, texture or amount changes, um, like these can all be symptoms of yeast infections, BV, STIs, yeah. even cervical cancer in some cases. So it's important to, to like monitor it and yeah. be on your health. And yeah, it's nothing to be ashamed of. And it's interesting let you say that because I know so many people who have said the same like oh had no idea what this was and I think for me I'm lucky I'm quite close with my mum um mm-hmm. I'm the oldest child as well so I never really had like an older sister or anything to go to yeah. um so I feel like I can go to her about anything and if it wasn't for her telling me like yeah like that's normal in puberty I wouldn't know either um yeah. so yeah but it's definitely not taboo I can see why it is um Mm -hmm. but it's just kind of I guess the more we have these conversations the the more we speak about it the better Yeah.
0: yeah I've kind it it's kind of like this is why I want to talk about these sorts of things because the more you get to know what's right and what's wrong with your body it's essentially like checking your boobs like the more you check your boobs and get to know your boobs the more yeah. likely you are to like identify when there is a problem the same with things yeah. like your vagina like the more you know it the more you know your discharge and what mm-hmm. um, process you have and like what's right and what's wrong with it the yeah. easier it will be for you to da- identify issues because I'm sure there's loads of women in the world that I just haven't known that they've had yeast infections haven't known that yeah. they've had any sort of infection bacterial issues or anything like that like I'm I I probably have and I haven't known anything about it um, yeah. So it's definitely really important to know, like, what is right and what's wrong. What would you, cla- What like, what is bad um, discharge? Like, what does that look like or smell
1: like? Or anything yeah. like that? Um So with, like, thrush and yeast infections, mm-hmm. it usually becomes really thick and lumpy. Mm-hmm. And people always say typically that it looks a bit like cottage cheese, which sounds kind of gross, I suppose. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> This smell is quite obvious, it's quite, I mean, it sounds obvious to say it smells yeasty, but it does kind of smell like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And you usually have it accompanied with itching and red inflamed skin, but you're not necessarily bound to have every single symptom of thrush. But yeah, the discharge just becomes more, like way more of it, thicker, lumpier, again in colour, I think it's it is white. I think maybe sometimes it can even look a little bit yellowish. Yeah. Um but you you would probably would know about it if it happened to you. Mm-hmm. Um and then with things like BV, the discharge can be sometimes even grey or green in colour, be kind of more thinner and watery. And mm-hmm. that's when it comes with a more of like a fishy odor. Um, and then again with things like cervical cancer or if anything's going on inside like a bleeding where it shouldn't be it can be pink okay. um it could indicate a problem and then obviously as well brown discharge is a thing so yeah when i was like the first time i ever started my period i started off with brown discharge yeah, so, and yeah. i actually thought i'd paid my past. i said that i
0: <laughs> genuinely like we filmed a period podcast and i was yeah first period experience and i was like I thought I pooed myself because it was just brown and yeah. I need did think I went to my mom and I was like mom I've pooed yeah. myself in my sleep I, went, and I don't I- know how
1: yeah I literally called my mom in because I was quite late I started my period when I was 15 and um I I actually like took my mom into the bathroom and I was like have I like somehow pooed myself without realizing I'm like well, what is going on here yeah I was like oh I think you've started your period like let me go and get you a pad yeah um that yeah that's just kind of like a light bleed and again when blood reaches like oxygen it oxidizes and it will appear brown so it's normal and you usually get it if you spot in between periods it's usually like a brown charge as well so yeah yeah all normal cool
0: (laughs) the last thing I'd kind of like to touch upon like big topic wise before I have like a few questions from my listeners is smear tests so I don't actually really know I didn't know what a smear test was until a few years ago I think it was Zoe Sog um, yeah. a YouTuber did a video all about smear tests and she filmed going to her smear test and explained how important it was to have a smear test. So please can you tell us why, like what it is, um, and why we have to get it and why is it so important?
1: Yeah, so it's basically a quick examination screening um to just check the cells in your cervix, check their health, um, check if any cells could be precancerous and then therefore quickly identify that problem mm-hmm. and be able to rectify it before it could progress into cervical cancer. And It has quite a lot of hysteria behind it. Um, Again, could be because it's not spoken about as much or I think sometimes a lot of women hear that they're really painful. um, And I can understand how it could be embarrassing because obviously some people haven't ever needed to go to a doctor for that body part. So having someone, you know, look there and actually have to insert things and it can be daunting. Yeah. Um, But the nurses who carry out the procedures literally do this as their profession so yeah they don't care what you look like um, you're not going to judge your vagina they but they've seen nice. like 100 that day so yeah they're definitely not going to remember gonna <laughs> about, yeah they're not going to care about hairs or yeah. anything um but what they do is they basically get a plastic speculum which looks like a bit of a beak um mm-hmm. and they lube it up quite well so it's not just kind of friction yeah going in there. um and what I didn't know until recently actually is you can get different sized speculums to suit mm-hmm. your anatomy um I have like obviously issues with my skin stretching and I think every gynae has told me my anatomy is like super small um I don't know if that's normal but yeah. there we go so <laughs> I, I get the smallest speculum and they basically insert the beak and just like a little screw on there to just like prise open a little bit. And that basically just keeps your vaginal walls apart so they can see clearly up to your cervix. Um, and then they just take like a long cotton bud looking thing and just kind of take a swab yeah. yeah, and then take it out. And literally the whole thing is about 30 seconds, if that. I think the actual, once the um, speculum is in, I, I think the actual screening is like seven seconds. It's so quick. Um, and they can, they, you know, you're in control. If it starts to hurt, you can tell them mm-hmm. it's painful. I think um, women with tilted service cervixes have been told, if you put your hands under your bum, when you're lying down, that that can help the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, you know, it is, it's not obviously a pleasurable experience, but yeah. for, th- for something so quick, um, it's potentially going to save your life mm-hmm. and it's free. Um, Yeah, it's definitely worth doing. And your first one, you will be 25 in the UK Mm -hmm. when you get your invitation. And again, there's huge talks on, should this be lowered? Yeah. Um, And the thing is, so I asked the question to some of the cervical screening nurses and Mm -hmm. it's because the cells in your cervix are always doing these natural changes and adapting until you get to the age of 25 and they settle. Right. So if you had a smear test on when you were too young, it could come back as abnormal cell results. And then that's going to worry you. You're yeah. going to be referred for procedures to remove them, which you might not even need because these abnormal cell changes could be natural. Right. So it's kind of putting you through a lot when you didn't need all yeah. of that. Um, but saying that, I do think something has to be in place for younger ages. whether you know something different that's safer perhaps but obviously women younger than 25 do get cervical cancer or can get cervical cancer Mm -hmm. um so I think something has to be looked into obviously I can't tell you what that could or could be but that's why it's 25 um and then every three years you get an invitation for another one Mm -hmm. and then I think I can't remember what age you get to, and it changes to five years, but it's when you're much, much older. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, they're they're very quick, and yeah. they don't hurt me at all. So, yeah, I uh, would definitely advise going when you get the invite. Yeah, definitely. I've seen like I think I've
0: read a bit about it because obviously I didn't really know what it was when I was watching the video about it, and. Yeah. I saw a lot of statistics that was like quite high. Um, I think it was I it could be wrong now, but it was something like 60 people miss their smear tests. And for something so important that yeah. literally takes 30 seconds, obviously it, it can be very daunting, but like we said before, like they've probably seen a million vaginas. Um, like when you go give birth, like that's got exactly. to happen. So like they see your vagina yeah. and everything down there, and it's probably it's not worse. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably a lot worse. Um, yeah but like it's obviously it's a lot easier said than done I guess um saying that um they're not going to judge you and stuff but like even like things like like, I watched Naked Attraction I thought every vagina was the same and then you watch a show like that and you realize how different um people's anatomy can be and like you said like there's different sort of clamps that are bigger and smaller and mm-hmm. there's they probably see a million different types of vaginas a day and there's no right vagina <laughs> there's not yeah, a no, right yeah. way for it to look and I've seen yeah. like I, I'd say like shows like Naked Attraction are a bit um I don't really know if people see it as a good show or a bad show for females but there's been the question before is like do you prefer like an in or an out and things like that and they do, things like that definitely really don't matter and I can I can tell you the amount of people I know that have had sex, and that's definitely not been a question when you've had sex or open no. at your own vagina. Um, so honestly, don't be self conscious about your vagina. Yeah, Go no, get a smear test, and hopefully everything will be okay. And if it's not,
1: you'll know, and you yeah. can get it out. So. Yeah I mean the results come back super quick as well because I actually had my second one Mm because I had the smear test slightly earlier at 24 because of all of the things that that have been going on with me. Yeah. Um, So I've had two smear tests now and even in the pandemic my results came back in like days matter of days. So yeah like they had said it would be a couple of weeks um, but it was super quick Um, and then yeah as you touched on with like the appearances of Vaginas—that's actually vulvas. I think that's yeah, I yeah, I think yeah. Is, yeah, like the outside is yeah. the vulva and the inside is the vagina. But same as you, I've seen a few episodes of Naked Attraction, and I didn't realize, um yeah, like the kind of variation of vulva shapes and sizes. Yeah. And again, that's something to kind of talk about. I think there's a really good yeah. account on Instagram called the Vulva Gallery. I'm pretty sure, and she's oh. like an artist, and she draws. I think women send in photos of their. Oh, cool. And she draws like all of them. <laughs> um, so cool. Yeah, but it's like a good way to see how many there are. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, again, like there's surgeries out there, like designer vaginas and oh. all the kind of stuff. <laughs> the um, yeah, like all of these kind of things um, making women insecure to change the shape of their labia and stuff like that. It's not needed like everyone's labia are different and that is absolutely fine and normal and as you yeah. said um a man is not gonna care <laughs> if he no. at the end of the day if he's um if he's about to do the deed he's not going to be bothered about the shape of your labia that trust no. me <laughs> that's not what they're gonna be worrying about <laughs>
0: I've got some questions i put a little question box on my instagram story and i actually wasn't expecting so many questions from people i kind of just said i've got someone who knows a lot about vaginas on the podcast so sending you questions and there was i don't think i've ever had any more questions from like a question box ever so obviously okay. people Hi, are going to enjoy this episode <laughs> yeah, pressure. i have narrowed it down to like certain topics um some okay, of them are kind of, of asking it. the same question so first of all can you briefly explain the anatomy of a vagina they said it wasn't taught enough in schools like we don't really know what goes on obviously you did actually correct me because i was classing a vagina as a vulva uh, a vulva as a vagina when it's not so like what actually is the anatomy of that area down there yeah
1: i mean i don't know i'm sure there's loads of like tiny different names for everything yeah yeah everything you see on the exterior is class as the vulva and then at Mm -hmm. the top is the mon pubis I'm really sorry for any pronunciations that I'm not doing correctly but where most of the pubic hair grows is the mon pubis and it's kind of like a it's like fatty um, Mm -hmm. because it's protecting your pubic bone and then at the top you have the clitoris and what's really interesting actually is the full anatomy of the clitoris is actually really big um obviously I don't have a picture to show you and I don't know if people can see this or if they're just listening but um yeah if you just google it if you google the full anatomy of the clitoris you'll see it kind of has the like the little like p shape and then it's almost yeah. like an umbrella um yeah. but that's not visible to the eye because it's underneath the skin mm-hmm. but that wasn't even discovered until the late 90s which was which is really oh. nice they don't bother to (laughs) examine the female anatomy. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you have your like labia majora, labia minora, which are also known as the lips, which I think people probably know them more as. Um, Again, so you have like the outer ones and the inner ones and your wee hole, so your urethra hole, which again, I didn't know for ages, like, where is that? I thought it was actually... No, I don't think I know. ...on the clitoris when I was younger. <laughs> I used to think it was there. I was like, no, completely separate place. Um, but that's kind of under the clitoris. And then you have mm. your vaginal opening. Um, and then the bit in between the vaginal opening and the um hole, I never know what to call it, anus, um, <laughs> is called the perineum. Um, and that's the area where I usually get my pain and where I tear. Right. Um, and then, yeah, inside, so you have your vaginal wall, come up to the cervix. Then that acts as a barrier to a uterus or womb, whatever word mm-hmm. you want to use. Um, you have your womb lining and then obviously off to the sides of your fallopian tubes and your ovaries that are at the yeah. end. Um, yeah, that's basically all I know. You're about like, the- that's yeah. Corner.
0: I feel like we learned a lot about the insides in school, but not really the outsides. I, um, yeah. I actually remember, I think I was in about year 10, so I was like don't know how old I was then 14 15 something like that and I put a tampon in for the first time um I used to always wear pads um but I started wearing a tampon and I remember talking to one of my friends saying oh like I've just had to take my tampon out to go for a wee um and I'm not sure if this is right or wrong but my friend was like oh you can wee with your tampon in but I was like yeah but it's blocking the hole and she was like you do realize that there's it's not the same hole and I was <laughs> like no I didn't yeah. know that and like I literally was owning a vagina for 15 16 years of my life and I thought that both things came out of that hole which is yeah. obviously it, not great
1: yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean no one is to blame because as you said like we don't really yeah. get taught about it but no you can you can be with a tampon and you just kind of hold the string to the side yeah. so it get in the way um yeah there's nothing wrong with taking it out if you want to go for wee, but obviously, yeah, that's not needed. But yeah, no, you don't really get told about the outside at all, no. really. And then maybe if they did, they wouldn't be as insecure about the appearance because if you learn about mm-hmm. it coming I mean, in different shapes, sizes, and colors, actually, um, some mm-hmm. skin can be darker or light, lighter, yeah, there. it's all like natural and normal, but yeah, no, yeah. That's a good point,
0: yeah, it's obviously really important for like. Um, owners of vaginas to obviously know where's where yeah. because like a lot of people especially like I didn't when it came to like starting to masturbate and stuff I didn't even know that the clitoris was a thing that I didn't know that it was purely made like not made but there mm-hmm. by just pleasure yeah. and things yeah. and I feel like most guys don't know that as well and yeah. I was actually talking to my boyfriend once because we um had just had sex and obviously like trying new things in a relationship and I was like oh that felt really nice like what you did there and he was like yeah the vulva if you put this here and then this feels right and he was using all the technical terms I was like hang on I don't even know where they are how do yeah, you do and he was like yeah how do you know that I was so surprised and he was like no I thought it was really important to like research about it and know like what feels good what doesn't feel good like what's what sort of thing because he was like I don't have a vagina but I want to know like about yours yeah. do you know what I mean and I was that's like that's exactly that's what I thought And I was just really <laughs> shocked because I was like I don't even know what those terms mean or where that is on my vagina so yeah. that was kind of like a awakening for me for me be- to be like no what's down there sort of thing and no yeah. um all the proper terms and like things like that and what's where um but I thought like a lot more guys or people who don't have vaginas need to have that attitude because yeah, <laughs> I cool. thought
1: that was quite refreshing
0: um
1: yeah I think I actually saw a, um, a statistic that nearly half of British women don't know how to label the vagina
0: yeah, that doesn't good.
1: surprise me. Yeah, but it's a huge number. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely important to kind of teach about these things and yeah. Them. But yeah, good on your boyfriend for doing yeah. that. <laughs> good on him. Yeah. Yeah. Take, that's, take, that's take notes, good. everyone out there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um. So
0: someone asked, "What's the purpose of discharge?" But we've kind of talked about that already. So mm-hmm. another person asked, "How do I prevent yeast infections?"
1: Okay. There's quite a lot of different things, Um, Mm -hmm. so definitely avoiding any fragrance products of any nature, so Mm -hmm. lush bath bombs, which I know is a horrible thing to have to give up, but um, (laughs) there's perfumes in there, there's dyes in there, there's glitter, irritants, uh, shower gels is an absolute no, Um, soaps and FemFresh, as we've discussed, just wash with water only, Um, sometimes even toilet roll can irritate your skin because it has bleaches and chlorines within the product so that could be something Mm -hmm. to be mindful of if it's irritating you Um, period products that aren't organic as well they have perfumes especially in the pads um, and like unnatural ingredients that you don't really want in or around your vagina and your um wearing really tight clothing especially really tight underwear and if it's a material that's not very breathable like cheap like scratchy lace or polyester mm-hmm. or nylon um, lycra all of this kind of stuff is just like a breeding ground basically for thrush um this one's maybe debated but thrush thrives off sugar um mm-hmm. So you can actually get thrush because I had it in my esophagus, which I didn't even know you could get it. There. Oh, Yeah, but you can literally get thrush. You can get it in, on your skin, anywhere. You can get it in your gut. You can get it in your anus. You can get it in your mouth. Oh
0: my God. Um,
1: it's like a nasty piece of work. So maybe reducing your sugar intake can help. Um, antibiotics as well, they cause thrush because it's just kind of like killing your immune system and yeah. Half- things like chemotherapy definitely a big thrush um trigger so again I think they kind of advise to take a probiotic whilst taking an antibiotic to kind of help to balance that right. um and then avoiding things like if you've just exercised or if you're swimming on holiday and then you're sitting around in a wet bikini don't do that mm-hmm. um, same with like sweaty clothing change out of it as soon as you can um and I also, this was like a new thing that took me a while to kind of adjust to, but sleep with no underwear on. So just like leave your bottom half naked yeah. um, when you're not menstruating, obviously. But it's a perfect time to allow it to breathe. Because just like if you've had your feet in socks all day, you don't want to yeah. sleep in them. So it's the same thing. Like if your vagina is being pressed into tight pants for like a whole day, especially in the summer. Um mm-hmm then it's just good to just like let it breathe Um, yeah throughout the night um yeah so I think that's kind of like the main things but definitely fragrances um just being too vigorous with products used down there and then really tight clothing is probably the main triggers of thrush
0: yeah what would you say about like bath salts and um what's it called bath bubbles
1: and things like that what would you say about those sorts of products um, yeah so bubble bath is a cool. no um because it's got all sorts of like, yeah. fragrances and chemicals and everything in it as well but salts are fine so i use epsom salts or mm-hmm. um pink himalayan salts they're actually really good for your skin and i think some companies also have done cbd salts now right um which again is good for you so yeah definitely bath salts but it's just basically be mindful of the ingredients if it mentions right. perfume any perfume is just no and I usually no. stick by a rule of if you don't know what the ingredient is and you can't pronounce it don't use it right. um like I have some bath bombs actually from a brand um be you, period and in the ingredients it's it's only like four or five ingredients long instead of being like a paragraph long yes. and it's all natural stuff the bath bombs are white in color so there's no dyes in there um and I actually got on with them fine but they're still sodium bicarbonate because that's obviously what makes it fizzy yeah bicarbonate of soda so things like bv it can it can maybe throw off a bit if you're really really prone to that but yeah I'm okay with that kind of stuff um but yeah otherwise like that brand and yeah salts are fine but yeah okay that's quite interesting like I'm I think this is the only podcast
0: I've done where I've literally learned so so (laughs) much um I always take like especially in the summertime like even if I'm wearing a little dress because I'm really not a fan of wearing shorts I have quite thick thighs so like it's it like eats up my vagina um so I tend to like wear like flowy dresses and things like that just because I get on with them better but even if like I do I always take an extra pair of underwear with me because if I'm out for more than like however many hours or if I end up staying over somewhere I just I it it feels so much better to have like a fresh pair of underwear on um, especially when it's really hot and you can get really sweaty down there um, and especially in the gym as well I always used to go to the gym after school and I used to um, change out of my school underwear put new gym underwear change out of them and then change into a new pair so I was using like five pairs of <laughs> underwear a day but I mean it felt very clean and fresh down there which I yeah. guess is good. Um, yeah. So the next question is Well, someone actually asked how many people fake an orgasm during sex to please their partner. I'm not sure if you know a statistic on this and I'm not
1: sure Um, why they want to know, know, but... I think I might have a stat on my blog because I watched this um, Channel 5 documentary basically called How to Have a Better Orgasm and it Mm -hmm. talked about this because, yeah, it's very common. A lot of women do fake it. um, (laughs) Usually to, I think, help male ego and not make them feel bad about themselves but i think yeah. as well you see it in movies you see it yeah uh, like porn advertisers like a fake expectation um
0: mm-hmm.
1: because usually penetrative sex doesn't make your orgasm really it's, yeah. it's more uncommon and it's more through cl- kind of a, say this clitoral stimulation yeah um is usually what uh like makes an orgasm happen yeah in females. so yeah, I don't know the start off the top of my head, but I'm I've written a blog it's post about. it, so If anyone's interested, I've done like an orgasm gap blog post on my website.
0: Yeah, so go check it out and. Um, yeah, have a little read. I think yeah, I think it's quite an interesting topic because. There's things like orgasms and things like infertility and miscarriages just in, wo- in women that are very uncommon, but mm-hmm. th- it's not really shown, especially like in the media and um, yeah. on just your main sources of information you gain when you're younger. Like I didn't realise how common it. I didn't realise that you couldn't have an orgasm from penet- penetrative sex. So when I first started having sex, I thought there was something wrong with me, and then you start to realise like it's very common from. Um, yeah. obviously like more oral sex and clitoral stimulation and things like that and also with like miscarriages as well I didn't realise how common like things like that were because it's never really like shown too much and that's another thing that's like shown on um, the tv show called the bold type is how common miscarriages can be for women and how common infertility is as well which is obviously like a really important topic to talk about yeah. I'll probably do like a whole episode about it because like I didn't, I didn't know how common things like that, how uncommon things like that, or common things like that were.
1: Yeah, yeah, neither did I. But yeah, it is, it is common. It's like so many things, as you said, that just aren't given kind of media attention or yeah. highlighted by anyone. Um, and I guess over the years, women have, I mean, in the past, women basically were punished for speaking up about. Yeah. Sex pleasure especially masturbation it was hugely taboo it still is mm-hmm. today but I mean obviously you have all the degrading insults as well derogatory terms for women who enjoy sex like calling you yeah. it is really kind of frowned upon from a woman's perspective so it's just naturally led to not having openness about it but yeah that's where people like us and other people on the web can try and make a difference and yeah just talk about it definitely and that's probably a reason why a lot of women do
0: fake orgasms is because they're kind they kind of see that the purpose like they kind of they're kind of reinforcing in a sense that they want to make the men feel good in the sense of they want to make sure the men are thinking they're doing what they're doing is right do you know what I mean I feel like I didn't explain that very well Um, don't (laughs) fake an orgasm girls if if you're not if you're not orgasming communicate with your partner if it's like a one-night stand or anything like that like show them what to do masturbate explore your body get to know what you like and then you can show people what you like what you like um but don't don't fake it because it's kind of it is kind of reinforcing the idea and don't ever think that your pleasure is less important than a man's because it's equally important and um that's definitely really important to know nowadays definitely definitely and this one I didn't actually know was a thing. So how can I work out the perfect size menstrual cup based on my vagina?
1: Yeah, that is also something I am trying to work out myself. Because, right. I mean, I am on the smaller side and I do struggle with vaginismus, which is basically where your vaginal muscles spasm and yeah. they don't allow anything to enter. So I use the Moon Cup um, once and it was so painful like I I just I think it was too big and I think it was too hard a material and I woke up in cramping pain and I had to take it out um I do have the smallest cup from TOTM organic now which I haven't given a go yet because I'm kind of waiting for the perfect time to yeah it. and I think for me I'm going to test them during the night because I find that the worst time for coping with a period because you're kind of wriggling around and yeah. sleeping in a pad because it just feels horrible so I think I'm going to give it a go there but they do usually come with instructions on them so they kind of give you a guide um, so I think with TATM they have three different sizes and they say I think the cup one is if you're under 18 and you've never had sex before that one and then there's one where if you're over 18 and you have had the vaginal sex and then there's another one where it's like if you have given vaginal, yeah, if you have given birth um vaginally, vaginally, yeah, vagina birth. <laughs> 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 yeah. <into my> <laughs> so depending on you know your age and your situation, it yeah. on the cup size. But see, so I actually chose the smallest cup size, which is for under 18 year olds, just because I think I could maybe be okay with yeah that size so again it's kind of dependent on your anatomy um and yeah like if you're a virgin if you're not if you've given birth if you haven't Mm -hmm. so my advice would just be to do as much reading and research as you can and I know they're a bit pricey but you could just buy a few and see which one you get on with the best yeah it's not just about size it's the material and the silicon used too some Mm -hmm. are harder and softer than others and again I guess depends on what most and what feels comfortable the most for you so yeah
0: Yeah. I didn't even know that there was different sizes of menstrual cups and things I'm a pad slash tampon girl I struggle with tampons a little bit I call it stage fright like I like when I'm at other people's houses or in public bathrooms nothing opens and I just can't put anything up there I think it's maybe just a little bit of nerves and things um and I don't really i can get quite heavy periods when i do get them but i'm on the pill at the minute so it's very on and off um so i just tend to feel a lot more comfortable using pads because i feel a lot safer yeah. but i obviously i just didn't think about different sizes and it's it's obviously like so applicable because obviously people do have different vaginas and okay. things um but when someone asked this question i just I, I it just wasn't something i thought about that um would be an issue like not knowing what the menstrual cups get your vagina um yeah
1: yeah but no it, I'm it does make
0: sense
1: yeah I am quite new to them still because I think they're a bit daunting I find them yeah. quite daunting to use because I mean when I try to use the moon cup I really struggle to get it in <laughs> um,
0: yeah I've heard a lot about I've heard a lot of people say
1: that yeah it's quite tricky but yeah I'll definitely update on my Instagram once I've given the TOTM yeah another well I, go, I haven't used that one yet um see how I get on but I'm kind of I don't know it takes me a while to like pluck the courage up or become to do it but I will eventually give it a go
0: good luck (laughs) I'll be updating
1: you shortly I'm sure um
0: and last question was quite an interesting one so do all females have the ability to squirt now I don't really know too much about it I don't think I've experienced squirting i don't really know what the technical term is but i've yeah. heard a lot of people talk about it and some of my friends or some of them have thought it'd been one thing and some of them thought it was different or it was just discharge or um calm or anything like that so what
1: like can females do that what actually happens do you know too much about it or um i don't know like m- masses on it but when i was reading the vagina bible she mm-hmm. then to basically just said it's a bit of a myth um and then it's actually right. is your urine um mm-hmm. i think what can happen is when you're sexually aroused the bladder fills up way quicker mm-hmm. than normal and i think just by where the bladder's positioned and where you could be like pushing down upon it could come out and some women think and um, genuinely it feels really good for them to release that and yeah i don't know if it i think it could maybe be like a mix of urine and something else yeah. but I don't think people really know to be honest yeah like, like a lot of people think it's a myth but definitely no not every woman can I think it's quite a rare thing I don't think it's mm-hmm. very common yeah um, and if so then I think I think it is usually it is urine at the end of the day which sounds yeah kind of gross I suppose but
0: <laughs> that's I just mean. what it is
1: like do yeah. if 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 like the feeling is building and you feel like you need to like it's not Release. like it's full three, you know. Like you're not yeah, like yeah, yeah. this. Maybe just like a tiny bit. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not like a hose coming out. No. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some just a little. Be, you know, yeah, but... it, might,
0: it might be. But, yeah.
1: Um, but no, I think it is a bit of a myth, and yeah, probably a really sexual fantasy that guys have seen from porn and then just think because I th- I think actually I might have watched a documentary where they interviewed porn stars. Um. Mm-hmm. And they kind of insert water up there. Oh. Before, so they're just releasing water it's not real oh that's
0: yeah. really crazy that yeah I didn't I didn't realize they go to like that level of extent
1: yeah I'm pretty yeah. sure I can't remember what it was I think it was ages ago but it's I don't think it's really real and yeah I I wouldn't feel like too bad about yourself if you can't do yeah. that I don't think many women don't worry are. about it
0: yeah no I, exactly. I was the same yeah because I've heard a lot of people either ask me that before or say that they're not really too sure what it is and obviously it's a bit it's it's very like known what like um what happens when a male finishes during sex but yeah. it's kind of a bit iffy with women and obviously with like the orgasm spectrum and the orgasm gap not a lot of women orgasm and things like that so I did get actually that was the probably most asked question um, and I thought it myself as well because I was like god I, I don't know what it is I don't know if it's like real or not um
1: so yeah. I think it can happen sometimes um but usually in most cases it probably is you're in so yeah, yeah. but oh, that's different, interesting. So... everyone's different everyone's <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so that is the end of the podcast thank you so much for joining me I've it. honestly learned so much um I'm gonna go <laughs> to bed now with no underwear <laughs> on I'm gonna have <laughs> a bath with no bath bombs um <laughs> throw my femme fresh products away I feel like it's been quite an awakening for me and I feel like a lot of a lot of my friends and my listeners and people who just follow me um would agree um yeah obviously like my followers and listeners have asked these questions so they'll be very like happy to hear the answers and just thank you so much for like providing them for us and providing us with the information that we should probably get a lot sooner in our lives and it's it's not embarrassing to have a vagina it's not embarrassing to talk about it It Um, exactly so that's just what what we're (laughs) here for and yeah, yeah thank you so much for joining me and um, make sure you head over to your um, to the Queen of Eves Instagram page, read her blog. Um, honestly, it's amazing. So yeah, thank you so much for just using your platform so well and hopping on the podcast. I've actually really enjoyed it. So thank yeah you. me
1: too. Thank you for asking me. I was privileged to be asked. So yeah, <laughs> well,
0: I'll see every well. I won't see everyone, but we'll hopefully you'll join us on the next episode to all my listeners and. We're going to end the podcast here.